Welcome to 365, January the 4th. Bible reading. Genesis chapter 8 to 10, 32. Father God, we thank you for the reading of, of your word. We lift it up high, high above our heads, Lord God, and the knowledge and the fruit of this word and this reading may come forth when we need it as we go out into the world and find your other chosen ones that we may be an example and enlighten them, Lord, and bring them to glory. So we can say, like in the book of Daniel says, that many who turn others into righteousness are like the stars that shine to eternity every day. Hallelujah. And with that, we say, Amen. I heard a little bell. Did you hear that? Huh, one of the many bells here and there, one of them went off. And that is a, our confirmation by our Heavenly Father. Amen. Four in the morning. All right, Genesis chapter 8 says, But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock with him in the boat. He sent a wind to blow across the earth, and the floodwaters began to recede. The underground waters stopped flowing, and the torrential rains from the sky were stopped. So the flood waters gradually receded from the earth after 150 days. Exactly five months from the time the flood began, the boat came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. Two and a half months later, as the waters continued to go down, other mountains peaks became visible. After another 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the boat and released a raven. The bird flew back and forth until the floodwaters on the earth had dried up. He also released a dove to see if the water had receded and it could find dry ground. But the dove could not find no place to land because the water still covered the earth, the ground. So it returned to the boat and Noah held out his hand and drew the dove back inside. After waiting another seven days, Noah released the dove again. This time the dove returned to him in the evening with a fresh olive leaf in its beak. Then Noah knew that the floodwaters were almost gone. He waited another seven days and then released the dove again. This time it did not come back. Noah was now 601 years old on the first day of the new year, ten and a half months after the flood began. The flood waters had almost dried up from the earth. Noah lifted back the covering of the boat and saw that the surface of the ground was drying. Two more months went by, and at last the earth was dry. Then God said to Noah, Leave the boat, all of you, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Release all the animals, the birds, the livestock, and the small animals that scurry along the ground so they can be fruitful and multiply throughout the earth. So Noah, his wife, and his sons, and their wife left the boat. And all of the large and small animals and birds came out of the boat pair by pair. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and there he sacrificed as burnt offerings the animals and birds that had been approved for that purpose. And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice and said to himself, I will never again curse 
the ground because of the human race. Even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood. I will never again destroy all living things. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, coal and heat, summer and winter, day and night. Chapter 9. Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, all the animals of the earth, all the birds of the sky, all the small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the fish in the sea will look on you with fear and terror. I have placed them in your power. I have given them to you for food, just as I I have given you grain and vegetables. You must never eat any meat that still has the lifeblood in it. And I will require the blood of anyone who takes another person's life. If a wild animal kills a person, it must die. And anyone who murders a fellow human must die. If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God made human beings in his own image Now, be fruitful and multiply and repopulate the earth. Then God told Noah and his sons, I hereby confirm my covenant with you and your descendants and with all the animals that were on the boat with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals and every living creature on earth. Yes, I am confirming my covenant with you. Never again will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. Then God said, I am giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds. And I will remember my covenant with you with all living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. Then God said to Noah, Yes, this rainbow is the sign of the covenant I am confirming with all the creatures on earth. The sons of Noah who came out of the boat with their father were Shem, Ham, and Japhet. Ham is the father of Canaan. From there, three sons of Noah came all the people who now populate the earth. Again, from these three sons of Noah came all the people who now populate the earth. After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground and he planted a vineyard. One day he drank some wine he made. And he became drunk and laid naked inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. Then Shem and Japheth took a robe, held it over their shoulders, and backed into the tent to cover their father. As they did this, they looked the other way so they would not see him naked. When Noah woke up from his stupor, he learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done. Then he cursed Canaan, the son of Ham. May Canaan be cursed. Maybe he be the lowest of servants of his relatives. 
Then Noah said, May the Lord, the God of Shem, be blessed, and may Canaan be his servant. May God expand the territory of Japheth. May Japheth share the prosperity of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. Canaan. Noah lived another 350 years after the great flood. He lived 950 years, and then he died. Chapter 10. This is the account of the families of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and the three sons of Noah. Many children were born to them after the great flood. The descendants of Japheth were Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshesh, and Tiras. The descendants of Gomer were Ashkenaz, Riptah, and Togermah. The descendants of Javan were Eliashash, Tarshish, Kittim, and Rodanin. Their descendants became the seafaring people that spread out to various lands, each identified by its own language, clan, and national identity. The descendants of Ham were Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. The descendants of Cush were Sheba, Habila, Sapta, Rama, and Saptika. The descendants of Rama were Sheba and the Dan. Cush was also an ancestor of Nimrod, who was the first heroic warrior on earth. Since he was the greatest hunter in the world, his name became proverbial. People would say, this man is like Nimrod, the greatest hunter in the world. He built his kingdom in the land of Babylonian, with the cities of Babylon, Erech, Akkad, and Kameh. From there, he expanded his territory to Assyria, building the cities of Nineveh, Rehoboth, Ir, and Kalah, and Rezin, the great city located between Nineveh and Kalah. Misraim was the ancestor of the Ludites, Anamites, Lehabites, Neptuhites, Patrusites, Kelohites, and the Kaptorites, from whom the Philistines came. Canaan's oldest son was Sidon, Sidon, the ancestor of the Sidonians. Canaan was also the ancestor of the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, Girgashites, Hivites, Archites, Sinites, Arvadites, Semarites, and Hamathites. The Canaanite clan eventually spread out, and the Torio of Canaan extended from Sidon in the north to Gerar and Gaza in the south, and east as far as the Saddam, Gomorrah, Adma, and Sebolim near Lasha. These were the descendants of Ham, identified by clan, language, territory, and national identity. Sons were also born to Shem, the older brother of Japheth. Shem was the ancestor of all the descendants of Eber. The descendants of, of Shem were Elam, Asher, Akpachad, Lud, Aram. The descendants of Aram were Uz, Hu, Gert, and Mash. Arpachat was the father of Shelah, and Shelah was the father of Eber. Eber had two sons. His first name was Peleg, which means division, for during his lifetime the people of the world were divided into different languages, language groups. His brother's name was Jokhtan. Jokhtan was the ancestor of El-Modad, Shelep, Hasar, Mavet, Jereh, Hadoram, Uza, Dikla, Oba, Abimela, Sheba, Ophir, Havila, and Jobab. All these were descendants of Joktan. The territory they occur extended from Mesha and all the way to Sephar. 
in the eastern counties. These were the descendants of Shem, identified by clan, language, territory, and natural identity. These are the clans that descended from Noah's son, arranged by nation according to their lines of descent. All the nations of the earth descend from these clans after the great flood. Amen. Note. You know, it's really interesting that there were only two um, languages, you know, from the descendants of the three sons of Noah and their sons. And I don't know, that could have been a thousand years, a hundred, many, many years there. Two languages, and they were divided by these two language groups. It says, for during his lifetime, the people of the world were divided into different, oh, it says different language groups. His brother name was, okay. And then you move down a little bit down there, and it says that the, that the world had two, uh, two languages. Well, I don't know. Anyway, it's really interesting, but the, the name right here, uh, Ebler, Eber, <coughs> Eber, is an interesting name. I have a friend with a similar last name to that, and he's very judicial. You know, judicial, extremely knows right from wrong quickly and very uh, helpful in in word, deed, and money. Amen. Just like a person from the Bible, you would think they come. Let's go ahead and read the commentary on this section. Noah and his family were delivered into an opportunity to start over. This will not be the last time God does this. Countless times throughout the Bible, we see God showing men and women his love and patience in order to save them. Although he realizes that their hearts are evil, he continues trying to reach them. When we sin or fall away from God, we deserve God's judgment, which would destroy us. But God has promised never again to destroy everything on earth until the day when Christ returns to judge evil and destroy it forever. Now, every change of season, every new day, reminds us of, of this solemn promise. But there are also joyous reminders of God's lasting patience. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Let each new day of God's grace remind you to repent and rejoice in God's patient love. Amen. Let us, each new day of God's grace reminds us to repent and rejoice in God's patience and love. That's where wisdom and instruction comes in. Handy is when we understand and see the, the grace of God. Say, oh, Father, forgive me for my wrongs. Cleanse me from impurities, Lord God. Establish me in your words and your purpose, Lord. For your, I repent of my sins. Any sins that I have said, done, thought, Lord, just clears me. Amen. The Bible clearly says that humans are from birth are bent to evil, so our imagination. So don't be surprised if your children are bent on evil. And don't be surprised that you're giving them uh, tools to be eviler, like, you know, internet and stuff like that. You don't cut off the internet, you know, it's, it's, you know they're getting out of hand. Uh, the discipline is not there. Why are they bent on evil? What they need is they need to read the Word of God. You need to pay them. You need to sit down and read it with them so they will be bent on receiving God's presence, God's glory, God's honor. They'll be bent on receiving spiritual 
food, which is the word of God, which is the love of God, which is the joy of God, which is the knowledge and the wisdom and the fear of God. These words will go inside a human being and give them the fear of the Lord, which is safety, safety for, being, for the people that are bent on evil. Evil imaginations is probably the biggest problem on the earth today. Everybody's trying to moral psychology, move over to good. They know they need to move over to good. And the, the only available sources is through to constant reading or constant 12-step programs where it's easily done in group settings, in group Bible, men's Bible studies, women's Bible studies, men and women gatherings, 12-step programs to stay accountable to each other. That we need to be, be bent on the Word of God, bent on goodness, bent on spiritual resources, and bent on doing good. So we keep calling on God that He bends us to the right direction. Whatever it takes, Lord, shatter this present world, for I'm going in the wrong way. Shatter it, Lord, and let me reconstruct it in accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and being bent on doing Your will, Lord your word for your goodness. Amen. All right. The uh, Recovery Bible has to say about that chapter between 8 and 10. It says, Noah had listened to God and obeyed all of his requests, but now the boat was floating over the earth on the blood-flowed waters, not an ideal situation to be in. But God didn't forget about Noah. It is conforming to know that when we obey God, he will not forget us. He will stand by us until his plans for us complete. Kind of boggles the imagination. They were almost a year inside that boat with animals. And to think of it, you would think that the boats and the people would start having babies. <clears throat> right? Nothing else to do in the boat. <laughs> and... Just amazing that the the animals came out pair by pair. Even the animals were anointed. And the animals were given a fear for mankind. Similar like the fear that we should have of God, right? The scripture says, have fear because God can throw you into hell, fire. A lot of people don't have that fear. They tempt God and they, they keep going to his, fighting his grace, fighting his his awareness, fighting contempt. In other words, we see beauty, we see creation, we see magnificent works of art in, in nature that God has done, and we go against all that. You know, just we just see so much beauty when you're enlightened in God. All right, I'm belittling the thing. I am a little tired. It's early in the morning, and I didn't get enough sleep, but... This is all you got, brothers and sisters, right now, is us together. We're doing this deal. Okay, Noah and his family were the only people left after the flood. The comforts of civilization had been washed away. They had to start all over again. God gave Noah his special blessings and instituted a program that, if followed, will result in a healthy society. God has given us his word, which contains the ultimate blueprint for healthy living. And just as God gave the human race a new start with Noah, he can give each of us a new start too. Amen. 
Since the Bible talks so much about Noah's righteousness and his fellowship with God, it is surprising to read that he gave in to the excess of alcohol. The account of Noah's drunkenness and shame came as a shock to us, but it is a reminder that even in ideal conditions, it is easy for us to slip and fall, especially when we are affluent. We can never completely let down our guard or feel as if we have made it, for that is when we become most vulnerable to failure. Thank God for the work he's given us, reading the Bible and telling others about him, or being ready to spread the word of God. Amen. Uh, Chapter 10 is often called the Table of Nations. It is refreshing to realize that the God we worship is not a local deity like like our language. He is sovereign over all languages, ethnic and groups, nations, and political entities. The God who holds kings and empires in his hand surely has the power to hold us too. Amen. He has the power to hold us too. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for reading of your word. Amen and amen. Just one thing that keeps going around in my head is where God, you know, the importance of having the wife here is when she reads, I read, it gives me a chance to uh, to underline the scriptures that I think are the Holy Spirit is saying something about them. So one of the scriptures that keeps coming back to my mind where it said that God, the man from livelihood is bent on evil. You know, that from childhood. Um, it's really interesting that it says that, you know, that we're, uh, our imaginations tend. So you take a battery, again, this illustration, you got a positive pulse and a negative pulse, right? So when a, a a person is born, he's using the negative post to get born again, I mean, to get going, but then he needs the spiritual side, which is a positive post. And then you put these two together and they turn the motor. So that's why we have one. I thank God when we mess up because we're doing, we're getting the positive post and the negative post together and we're pushing in the right direction. And the mess up, you know, when we mess up, is is part of the deal to get us started. So we make the right choice in acknowledging and moving towards God. You know, we get up in the morning and says, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us call upon him for he is worthy to be praised and thanksgiving. What are we doing? We're, we're using the, the natural uh, negativity of the earth to move over to the spiritual side of the heavens and now we have right standing with God. We have righteousness, peace, love, redemption. Now we qualify. Now we're in tune and we have hit the mark. We, we, you know, we are under the goodness of God by acknowledging him when we're feeling bad. And when we mess up, we thank him we messed up because we, we dropped the ball on the spiritual side, right? Thank you, God, that the the, the mess-ups are there. Thank you, God, because it's just like a pinball hits us over to right standing with God, the righteousness of God. And that's all I got to say about that. Amen. 
All right, moving right along, Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 to 25. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum, besides the Sea of Galilee, in the region of Sebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. In the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, besides the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness has seen a great light. And for those who live in the land where death casts shadows, a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon and also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish or for people. And they left their net at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in the boat with their father, Zebedee. I have a friend named Zebnor, Zeb, we call him Zeb. Zebedee repairing their nets, and he called them to come to. And he called them to come also. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogue and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria, and the people soon began to bring him to him, all who were sick, and whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them. All large crowds followed him wherever he went, people from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over the Judea, and from the east of the Jordan. They came to him. Amen. Note, Bible study. Jesus started his ministry with the same message people have heard from John the Baptist. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus preached the gospel, the good news, to everyone who wanted to hear it. The good news is that the kingdom of heaven has come, that God is with us, and that he cares for us. Note. The kingdom of heaven is like the battery post that Jesus has come easily for us to get jump-started, okay? You have been bent on evil all this time. You've been trying to do good by your actions, you know, the sacrifice, the pilgrimage to go to Jerusalem. I'm talking pre-Jesus on the cross. People were going to Jerusalem. Their actions were, were righteous, but they didn't have that uh, spiritual connection with the jump-start so Jesus said, I have come to give you life and give you life more abundantly. To jumpstart you, to start thanking God for the good news is, is the good news you can you can touch the positive post now and it's not, oh, it's easy. It's an easy thing for you to, to get enlightened in the spiritual realm. That's the good news. And the good news too is you can thank God for the your wrongs and your and He will recompensate you. He will reward you for thanking Him for the wrong things you've done. 
Sounds ludicrous, huh? Hey, I'm not God. This is the way I see it, folks. And the only way you're going to say amen to that is to try it. Make a list of all the offenses, all the wrong things you did, all the wrong things other people done, all the mishaps, all the nonsense, and make enough room for the compensation that God is going to give you. And how is he going to compensate us? By you warming up the elements, by going back in your imaginations, by us going back to our imagination. I apologize for saying you. By us going back in our imaginations and praising and thanking God for the situation, whatever it was. Thanking our God for our lives just the way it is. It will melt and get the burdens and the hatred and the, and the hurts out and put them in the right place. And they'll stop. Stealing our future, stop stealing the opportunity to move forward. Those things in the past keeps us from grasping the future, folks. So we need to go back there and start thanking and heating them up, heating the elements up with thanksgiving that thank God we did that so that we can melt it and let go of grievances and we could, we're supposed to bless others and we didn't and we were selfish, ignorant, and so forth. Let's just and we can't plead ignorance either, folks. We know too much. So write all these things down and then make room enough when you have peace, when you feel recompensated, God will reward you. Sometimes you have to pray for two weeks to two months to two years for a situation and for a person. Amen. All right, some of, some of us need to hear that over and over again, so that's what I'm doing. Now, God is with us, and he cares for us. You know, the new, good news is the kingdom of heaven has come. God can heal us in this manner, not just physically, but spiritually as well. There's no sin or problem too great or too small for him to handle, folks. All right? <clears throat> Jesus' words were good news because they offered great freedom, hope, and peace of heart and eternal life with God. Woohoo! This message is the same today as when Jesus and John gave it. Turning to God means turning away from ourselves, our self-centeredness and independence, our, our, the stuff that we're hiding, you know, that, that if anybody should find out, that stuff there, start thanking God for that stuff, list it, and then go, go confess it to somebody when you're done doing the exercise and get it out of your system. And someone you don't know, you haven't seen, some clergy, somebody in another town, just or even in the internet through, uh, you know, finding other people. Just they'll never see you again in another country. Confess all your junk, get it all out of you. You know, you and prayed over the sins. Confess your faults to one another, and the peace and the glory of God will come in. That's the hardest part you're going to ever do in your lifetime is to become honest with you, the words of God, and his actions and purposes and his uh, instructions, I would say. Amen. The message is the same today as when Jesus and John gave it. Turning to God means turning away from ourselves, our self-centeredness and independence. It means turning our lives over to God's direction and control. What are you facing that you can submit to God's guidance? What are we facing that we can submit to God's guidance? Amen. 
Now, chapter 4 of Matthew in the Recovery Bible says, The way of recovery through Jesus Christ is open to everyone, not just the religious. Jesus can heal anyone regardless of past history, religious affiliations, or nationality. Jesus himself proved this by sending this early early years in the cosmopolitan region of Galilee. Jesus himself proved this by spending that area there. The Jews in this area were not considered good Jews by those in Judea because of their contact with the many Gentiles who lived there. But Jesus showed God's love for them, and he continued to show his love to all who trust him, no matter who we are and how great our past sins. Amen. You know, it just goes to show that that's one of the, the worst the, in the worst areas where Jesus said, I have come to, to for the people that are sick. What are sick? The people that, ha, that live life on the negative side of the post because they don't know any better. You know, they, they try to live life going to the positive post through going to college, going to schools, exercise, yoga, uh, even praying. But without Jesus Christ, that that positive pulse will not be available, which is touching heaven through Jesus. Jesus is the conduit. Jesus is the jump cables that jumpstart us. We get on our knees, we ground ourselves, and, and say, Jesus, forgive me for all my sins. You're opening the door for the jumpstart to jump you. Jesus, I have nothing to lose, Jesus. I have lost everything, by the way. Uh, um, I don't have any. I give you my life, my words, my time, every minute of my life. I just submit it over to you, Jesus. Help me. I need a Savior, Jesus. Save me if you can, Jesus. Save me if this is possible. I give it. I surrender to you. Amen. Then, bam, boom, the jump start takes place. You hardly don't feel a thing, but you, you hear an inclination and you have a desire to listen to podcasts like these ones. You have a desire to to move forward and do the right thing. You have a desire for literature. You have a desire for the Bible. Everything's greener. Everything's bluer. The air is sweeter. The things that are important are clearer. Family, folks, job, being of service to the community, Picking up the dog shit when you didn't, some somebody didn't left it out there, you know, and you're just doing a commute. Somebody's gonna step on it. Picking up that trash, picking up that glass, picking up those skunks that were runned over with, you know, and those squirrels, and you know, just being good. Those are our actions that show that we have been and had an encounter with the Son of God that had touched our lives and jump started us. And 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 where our our motors are running good now, they are idling on eight cylinders. Our transmissions are not slipping, we're not sputtering. Our motor is is idling good. It's got power to enjoy this life. Amen. All right, we're finishing up our reading for today. Uh, read the Psalms. We lift our troubles to the Lord in Psalms four. We let the psalm guide our hearts to peace as we trust in God's provision. 
Amen. We thank you, Lord, that we have a problem. We thank you for a problem. We thank you, Lord, that without the problem, we can't get the provision. And without the provision, we can praise you and glorify you. So we thank you for your provision, which is really just your imagination of something good and we helping us to obtain it. That's what provision means. See, it has the word vision, which is a good imagination, a vision. God will give you a vision. And the pro is saying something good about the vision, which is the conduit, which is the vehicle that will get us to that thing. Provision. That's one, one of the reasons you don't want to say, it's killing me. You're killing me. Uh, for a Christian, that, that is the pro. <laughs> that's the negative vision. Okay, We want to have God's provision. And praise him for it. Amen. Reading Psalm 4. Answer me when I call to you, O God, who declare me innocent. Free me from troubles. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people ruin my reputation? How long will you make groundless accusations? How long will you continue your lies? You can be sure of this. The Lord sets apart the godly for himself. The Lord will answer when I call to him. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. Offer sacrifices in the right spirit and trust the Lord. Many people say, who will show us better times? Let your face smile on us, Lord. You have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests and grain and new wine. In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Amen. Notice that this person is giving thanks to God for his wrongs, for his troubles, and then he gets a vacation, he gets to love, he gets to love others. So in that love, it's better than the abundant harvest, better than winning the lottery. Receiving the love to God because he had the great exchange. You know, people, the groundless accusations were coming against him, saying lies and so forth. He started thanking God for all that stuff and he turned it into love. Huh. Without that stuff, he wouldn't have a reason to be calling on God, right? So the discipline and the hardships and the, uh, the bent on evil... Okay, those are all resistant factors that we need to make the boat run. Okay, all right, Proverbs 1, chapter, verse 20 to 23 says, Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. Hey, you, hey, I'm calling you. She calls to the crowds along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gate. How long, you simpletons? Will you insist on being simple-minded, close-minded, stubborn? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for coming on today's podcast for January the 4th. I love you. If no one's told you, they love you. God bless you. Give them heaven. Have a great day.